just a quick warning that we're going to be talking about death, religion, fear, obviously existential dread, pain, lonely wind, war, sphinxes. Uh, yeah, so if you're not in the right headspace for that, maybe just skip these next few episodes. Sweet listeners, welcome to another episode of A Hopeless Endeavor, a Joanna Newsom podcast. My name is Sam. My name is Nikki. Welcome to part three of You Will Not Take My Heart Alive. This is where we are. We are. This is where we are. At part three. Yes. All right. So we got to talk about it. I guess so. (laughs) Our listeners apparently don't have theories about you will not take my heart alive. So we're hoping to hear from you guys for a pin light bend. If you have some stuff, please send it to a hopeless endeavor at gmail.com. But we are, I was going to say on our own, but like on our own with the help of blessing all the birds, which is always a godsend. So not quite on our own. Yes. And blessing all the birds actually just posted, uh, Melissa Marjorano just posted the final um, piece in her divers series. Um, the chiasma series the chiasma series so go read that if you haven't yet because it's an incredible series and she also posted a link to like an audio essay so if reading it isn't um accessible to you right now give it a listen give it a listen i will try to remember to link to it in the show notes but if not just go to blessing all the birds it's easy to find yeah uh they're on instagram too with links to everything um so do that okay so Before we get into the actual lyrics today, we had last time, last recording session, we were wondering, just in a freewheeling sort of way, about the question of whether there is death at the end of each song on Divers. And so Sam and I briefly revisited that question uh, just in conversation with each other earlier today. And I think our answer is no. Yeah, it's an iffy no. So for sure we see, for sure, (laughs) I can't say anything for sure. I think there's probably death in the majority of songs on the album. So I would say probably yes in Anecdotes. uh, We end with Grieving in a Parting Song. Sapokonikin, we end with looking and despairing. The city is gone. We have like the stories of Ozymandias and John Pori Mitchell and then all of those women hidden in art. Um, in leaving the city, we are ending our good run. The spirit is bending. We're beneath knowing it must end. So like probably maybe there to goose eggs. I don't know. Um, waltz, probably. We end with Highlands Highlands away, away my John. Poor yeah. John. Yeah, so I think probably 
the things I say, I don't know. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> divers, I think so. We're holding yeah. our breath. The infinite is dividing. Maybe, yeah. Maybe. We have a possible super narrator in that song. She has a weird perspective on her whole life that, yeah, maybe. We don't know. Same old man is interesting. Because, like, one of the things we discussed was, like, maybe the person is at the end of their life and they're dying throughout the whole song, which is what's making them a little bit less than coherent. So maybe. We don't know. So, like, really the only songs we have questions about there being death, I mean, as you said, it's too confident to say for sure, but, like, in our humble opinion, death seems to be present on every song except for maybe Goose Eggs, maybe Same Old Man. Uh, Things I Say. Oh, yeah, and The Things I Say, that's right. But, like, I also think that if you like shifted your perspective a little bit, you could probably make a case for some kind of loss or death or transition or something. Yeah. At the end of every song or throughout every song. So I don't think that's a wrong theory or a bad theory in any way. I think it's just not, not as clear cut as like anecdotes or Sepikonikan or leaving the city. Which is good. I mean, of course, it's not going to be as clear cut. It would be much too easy of Joanna to just give us death at the end of every song. Uh, That just is not, it's not uh, her style. She's going to make things more nuanced and, and beautiful than that. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's, it's just not as, as easy a question um, to answer, but I think that was our theory anyway. (laughs) Oh yeah, no, it definitely was. Yeah. Okay, so last time we ended with the verse that ends in Beyond Recall, you severed all strings to everyone and everything. So should we get started with the next verse? Let's do it. Let's dive right in here. Okay, so in the next verse, she sings, O silent, constant driver of mine, wordlessly calling from the end of the line, where even though each hour I ever loved must cue and dive... Still, you will not take my heart alive. You will not take my heart alive. You will not take my heart alive. You will not take my heart. The you after still you. I I, excuse my voice this session. I'm quite sick, but (laughs) we're here. And I'm also not going to try and sing her you (laughs) there because no one needs to hear that. But it's absolutely wild. It's bonkers. It's I remember the so first time I heard cool. it being like, what? It's like slams you back in your seat. Yes. Like it's, it's, uh, I don't know what the word is. I was going to say excessive, but I don't mean that she like, I don't mean it's like over the top or anything like that. Just that it's so in your face, like yeah. alert, alert, attention, attention. Let's yes. like, it is urgent that's that's a better word than excessive it's urgent it's urgent I wonder how many notes she hits just in that you I don't even know how to begin counting that we where's Brian of critical reactions when we need him (laughs) we need you Brian. (laughs) I 
wonder if we could submit that as a request, actually. <laughs> Count the notes in Let this. Let me message him on Discord while we um, again. I think you can submit requests for songs. Yes. Yeah. I mean, if any of our listeners know or like have just better ears than Sam, Sam and I do, let us know because you're right. The you is bonkers. Um, and the harp is bonkers, too. And it's yeah. like... Uh, Somebody in the um, genius says, I think it is important to note here that Newsom uses a grandiose crescendo with her harp, perhaps showing just how strongly her character feels this sentiment. So I'm not even sure what a grandiose crescendo is, but like I feel that it does feel like a grandiose crescendo, even though I again don't and is know. her voice doing the same thing? So crescendo is a gradual increase in the volume or intensity of sound in a passage. Yes. Yeah, but what does so, it mean for, to, for a grandiose crescendo? What's just like a really a really big one? Okay, really, <laughs> that's what I'm gonna guess. Like uh, a really especially pronounced or like, yeah, I like it. Yeah, totally. It also makes me wonder, and I didn't think this before. Like, are we emphasizing the you? Like you pointed ah. finger will not take my heart alive. Like, maybe I'll take it alive, but you're not going to take it. Yeah, or someone else, maybe, but not you. Right. You will not take my heart alive. So let's maybe address the elephant in the room. In my room, according to me. What am I trying to say? That's <laughs> <laughs> the elephant. Yeah, exactly. The elephant, according to me, which is, who the fuck is you? Who are we talking about? Who's the constant driver? Is she... Is the you referring to the silent constant driver? Let's. Great question. Yeah. So in my head, the silent constant driver is like death or fear of death or something like that. Is that yeah. also your interpretation, Sam? I think so. So these first few lines make me think of, I don't know. So silent constant driver. My, my first question was like, how do you. Oh, wordlessly calling from the end of the line. So we have the whole thing made me think of Snowpiercer. Do you know Snowpiercer, the book or the show or the movie? It's like this. I think I know it's a Korean show or something. That's yeah, there was. So it's like this train at the end of the world that people have built, and it's like a thousand cars long. Oh. And at the and it's like any other train, any other thing in humanity. Like there's first class and second class and third class. It's like very colonized and. The, at least in the TV show, I don't remember in the original movie, but at least in the TV show, the conductor of the train is kind of like a silent voice. Mm. Um, like you don't hear him very often. Um, so, and there's like a lot of lore around him too. But anyway, it's like there's someone else in charge. Yeah constantly there's someone else who 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 doesn't have a voice who is in charge of what i'm assuming is life yeah and like the direction that things are taking and like yes how things are gonna go for you yeah it's interesting because like that it's a driver of hers too especially yeah. like yeah um, it, it seems like she's positioning this thing as being particular to her. So like I was thinking maybe like God, but I don't necessarily love the God interpretation because she's 
because of this possessive language, oh, silent constant driver of mine, it makes it sound like it's like her fear of death or like her, uh, I don't know, existential panic or something like that. I'm not sure. Or maybe just her death. Yeah. And it's also where they're calling from. They're calling right. from the end of the line. Yeah. What is that? Is <laughs> it death? That's all I can imagine is that it's like. Yeah. I know we've talked about the I'm sure you're sick of hearing about the Grim Reaper, but like, is it like a non-physical entity calling from like just over the line of death? Right. Um, I don't know. Or gesturing because it's wordless. Like to me, I get like that come here gesture or yeah. like, I don't know. Yeah. I also don't know. Uh, I also think that it's interesting that that she describes. That, so the silent constant driver of hers is wordlessly calling from the end of the line. And at the end of the line is where every hour she ever loved must cue and dive. That's so cool. Like, I don't even know what the visual exactly is here. In my head, it's like there's this. Uh, part of The Catcher in the Rye by J.D. Salinger where like he's described the Holden Caulfield is describing it's like the 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 titular passage of the book where he's describing like a bunch of I think kids or something just like running over a cliff and he has to like stop the kids I think from like running over the cliff and it makes me think of these hours as those kids that are just like barreling towards this edge of the cliff so they're all like lined up and, like, they're going to dive off the end. But, like, or it's, like, the end of the line. So they just, like, I, I don't even know what the visual is exactly. But that's what I get is this catcher in their eye. Uh, each hour that she ever loved getting ready to, to jump off the cliff. Maybe. I don't, I don't know. That's what I see, too. But and that it's, like, a cueing of, I don't know, is it, like, that time is dying because it's each hour I ever loved? Is it, like your memories are you like watching watching all of your memories dive or take that that dive line up and then dive is it like your memories are being erased as you yourself are dying yeah that's a great question I love the idea that it's that it's memories being erased because there's no rememberer rememberer anymore yeah um, it's very interesting to me here that she uses, it's not where each hour, like in which I ever loved, it sounds like she's loving the hours themselves. Yeah. Or through, even though each hour I ever loved. So is she loving her time? I, I don't know. I think so. I think she's loving She's loving each hour regardless. Like. Or is she only loving the hours in which she was loving? Like, yeah, it's not necessarily the claim that she loved every hour of her life, but like all the ones that she did love are queuing and diving. Yes. Or that like the hours that she spent loving other people mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
are queuing and diving, even though each hour I ever loved. Yeah, it's weird. What does genius say? Nothing? Well, genius says, so there's that crescendo line that I read, and then there's also um, someone responding to that crescendo line saying, I agree, but you didn't mention what that sentiment is. Here, Joanna says that each hour will cue and dive, meaning to leave sequentially. This ties into the themes of time as an endless march that leaves the narrator feeling lost and worn down by the passage of time, especially when it comes to changing relationships that are no longer as happy as they used to be. And I'm not sure how much that resonates with me. I like the idea that like sequentially we're moving through all of these memories and you're watching them disappear Mm -hmm. over that same cliff. Yeah. It's an interesting, yeah, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say that that's the end of the line. Right. Yeah. It's weird. I I don't know if I'm understanding why they must cue and dive. Like, aren't they already all lined up and like, unless this is just like a, an imaginative way of describing what it's like at the end of somebody's life where like, you know how like people will say like my life flashed before my eyes or something like that, that that has to happen as a sequential thing. It has to, they have to take turns (laughs) flashing um, through the person's mind. So like, maybe that's what it is. Like they're queuing up and diving out of existence. Cause as you said, there's no rememberer there anymore. Yeah. I think that's probably it. I like that a lot. Okay, so we have that whole stage. And then there's this line, this word that sort of perplexes me a little bit. Still, you will not take my heart alive. And I said to Sam before we started recording, like, Sam, we're going to have to talk about what the chorus means. The still, you will not take my heart alive part. And she was like, shit. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, help me understand this, Sam. What does this still you will not take my heart alive mean? So for still, I have these notes. Okay. They're not going to help us very much. (laughs) It's just like, even though these memories or these things are cueing, Like, I won't go willingly. I'm not there yet. Like, it's not. Uh, Yeah, I think for me, it's like a, I'm not giving this up willingly. I'm not giving you my heart. I'm not allowing you to take my heart while I'm still alive. Um, I feel like it's kind of a nod to like, I know this is happening. I know that death is like imminent, but I'm not. I'm not going down easy. Yeah. Yeah, I I also get that, I think. Um, I, I had to, like, I, there's something just, like, confusing to me about the sentence structure. Like, I had to stop yeah. just for myself and be like, hey, wait, what's the expression in English normally? Because it sounds like something that happens in English sometimes where I think that, that what people would say or you might hear, like, in movies or something is, like, you're not going to take me out of here alive which means that like I'm not fucking leaving you'll have to kill me if I if you want to take me out of this place you're gonna have to kill me like I'm not leaving alive as in I am being super stubborn in this context I find it sort of confusing because 
A, she's talking about her heart and not her specifically. So I think that there's maybe something to dissect there. But but we're talking about death. So, like, of course she's not going to be taken alive because, <laughs> because that's just what it is, is, is to die. So I think that's a little bit where my conf- – or at least part of my confusion comes into play – um, but I think maybe as you said, like the, the way of maybe understanding this is just that like, she's asserting the fact that like, she doesn't want to, like she is, uh, clinging to like that. It's, that it's her heart in particular, in particular that she's talking about and not herself generally that like, she's clinging to like the joy and the love and the 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 joy of life um from her life and she's saying like that part you don't get to claim that death like that you're not erasing that part even if the person doing the experiencing is going to be gone yeah I think last episode we talked a lot about kindness and goodness and like what our narrator and what like Joanna herself values um so maybe it's as simple as that. Maybe it's as simple as you, like the heart is representative, representing all of those things. Like you, I will hold on to that goodness until I can't anymore. Yeah. Um, while I'm alive. The only way you'll get this, this part of me is in death. Oh yeah. Okay. Actually, when you said that, that makes so much sense. The only way you'll get this part of me is by killing me. Yeah. And so even if death will eventually claim the joy of life, maybe it's a statement of like, I'm not letting the existential angst about death's imminence or the impermanence of all of this. I'm not going to let that affect my alive life, right? Like I'm not going to... Um, I'm not going to be dreading the fact that I'm going to die while I'm here alive, I, uh, I'm going to enjoy my heart. (laughs) Um, and so like, if you want to take my love and my joy of life, you're going to have to kill me. I'm not letting it rob it. Death, you're not going to take my heart while I'm still alive. I like that as like a statement of, I like that as you framed it as a statement of aliveness Mm -hmm. instead of death. Like while I'm here, you won't take this from me. Right. Right, which is interesting until the last line of this verse where she just, she drops the alive and she says, you will not take my heart. So I wonder if that's just a, no, I I was going to say if it's just like a, it just works musically and so she just dropped the alive, but I I think it's probably more intentional than that. Um, So I think that that last line is actually maybe asserting something different than the you will not take my heart alive part. So just to be clear for listeners, she ends the little, the verse here with you will not take my heart and drops the word alive. So maybe you will not take my heart alive is like, while I am alive, uh, while I'm here, I'm not going to be freaking out about death. But then also the last line is just like, but also like death doesn't erase all of the love and joy that I got to, experience I don't know yep 
I really like that theory. It's like you can't, even in death, that right. can't be taken from me. Right. Because I, And I think that makes sense because it's also something like you can only experience kindness and goodness and love while you are alive. So it makes sense that like, even if it's taken in death, it's, it's, is it really? Right. Is it really? And she has that line, because I think that this song is, we'll talk about this later, but I think that this song is mm, like speaking to and maybe like answering or just referencing other songs on the album. And uh, uh, I lost my train of thought. I don't remember where I was going to go with that. I think I was just going to say that here it seems to me like it is the like prelude or something the precursor to the joy of life stuff from time as a symptom where we get the message that like the thing that's important, the thing that gives all of this meaning is, is joy of life. And here it seems like the little seedling of that idea where she's like, look, you don't like, there's that line of like, oh, what the fuck is it in time as a symptom? It's like, tell me uh, when when cruel death debases, we believe it erases all the, the rest, rest that, precedes. that precedes. And so, like, the idea that we go through our lives believing that upon death, everything that we just lived gets erased, that here this is sort of a, a fighting back against that statement where it's like, I don't. That, that idea that, that death erases everything that came before is just false. You don't get to take, death doesn't get to take the joy that was there. The joy is there regardless of whether the person is. I don't know. Crazy stuff. And I think we talked about that in the last episode too. Like if you can do nothing else in this life, you can be kind and you can be good. Mm-hmm. And that is something that you can't take. Right. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't get erased upon death, which is, yeah, maybe a comforting thought. I, I think so. Oh, okay. What I also don't understand is the constant driver mm. of mine. Oh, silent, constant driver of mine. Does that mean this is something that is ever present? Like, is this present with you throughout your whole life? Yeah. Or is this something more recent? In my head, that it's a constant driver of hers is telling us that our narrator is, like, really burdened by this question. Like, it's a constant fear, uh, as in, uh, like you said, ever-present. That's, that's my take on it. I also wonder if driver can mean something else. Can driver be, like, a motivator? Is it that, like, this ever-present knowing of death motivates you to do good and be kind because that is the only thing that can't be taken. Yeah. Um, yeah, so when I was picturing the, the the word driver, I was picturing, like, this is, like, a not great analogy or whatever, but, like, a cattle driver, like, someone, like, literally like ushering along um their subjects and so yeah I love the idea that it's a motivation towards kindness 
Um, that's cool. I hadn't thought of that before. Cause like, yeah, it doesn't specify what the motivation is towards here. It just says it, like, it's just motivation generally that, that the person's being driven by so- towards something, but we just don't really know. I also wonder if the constant driver is someone who has already died Mm. And is like across that line of life and death and is doing the calling. Right. I don't know. I love that it's wordlessly too. It's like a silent wordless fear. And I wonder if that's supposed to tell us that like the fear isn't exactly mm, like fleshed out in a, that's sort of a gross way of putting it, but like, um, like my friend uh my friend recently told me I think I might have even mentioned this on the podcast before but I've been thinking about this little nugget of wisdom she gave me which is the idea that our imaginations are always a lot worse than reality have I talked about this I don't think so so she was talking about it in the context of the death of her father And she was saying that, like, before I was actually, like, faced with the situation, I would get into my own head about it and think it was just going to be, like, the worst thing ever and, like, just, like, super, super scary to see him, like, incapacitated in these ways. And, like, but she was, like, that was the worst part of it. The worst part was, like, not, is, like, imagining the whole thing. Going through the whole thing is a lot more manageable than this, like, anxiety-riddled imagining of it and the reason this line made me think of that was that like maybe there's some communication here of the idea that like the fear of death is like silent and wordless because it's not it's hard to identify maybe exactly what is the scariest part of death it's just this like fear of the unknown like our imagination just like fills in or not even fills in these details but like just just leaves it feeling very ominous and scary whereas like when you're confronted with the actual thing maybe it's just not as bad I don't know I really love that I think that's going to be my new theory for this whole verse um and I think maybe it's less scary when it actually happens because it's it's a human thing right like your anxiety brain I know my anxiety brain can imagine a zillion million awful scenarios for every possible circumstance, especially death. And maybe it's a little softer when it actually happens because it is just the most human experience. And that's something that's really hard to imagine accurately. Right. And exactly. And to like, yeah, exactly. And like, it's when I think about my own fear of death, like, any words don't quite accurately sum up what that fear is. It's like this more amorphous, wordless fear of like, ah, I don't know. It just seems like bad. <laughs> like it just seems like like I, I want to keep existing. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, maybe it's, maybe it's something like that. 
I love the idea of the constant driver as like fear of the unknown, fear of death, anxiety about all of that. And that being constant, I think makes a lot of sense. It makes me wonder how that perspective will change when we get a new album, knowing that, and I'm sure y'all have something to say about this too, knowing that like our writer, our singer, our artist has now children yeah like how how does that constant driver shift right knowing that you're you're a caregiver that you brought life to this earth I just obviously cannot speak for Joanna but I have two two thoughts came to my mind when you said that first was that for me personally the having of a baby made the passage of time and the imminence of death so much more prominent I was I already thought about it all the time but like just in my personal experience and I'm sure everyone has different experiences it's been at the forefront of my mind all of the time now just because it's like I've heard Joanna say this about about being married but that like there's just something now that you cannot bear to lose and like it that you're so happy with this like life now that it just makes the threat of death that you know is for sure coming so much more I don't know just like relevant but then also it made me think of when we were talking in our patreon episode about um what song was it Sam uh bombs are whistling the one of the new songs uh there was some line that I don't remember now because I don't know the song well enough yet But there was some line that made us think that like, or maybe it was just the the titular line, the bombs are whistling. I think that we had speculated maybe what those bombs are is that like there is danger all around and like she needs to like focus on the fact that she has this joyful baby there with her and not focus on like how threatening the rest of the world is and how much danger and death are all around us all the time. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. It yeah. does. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I love, if that's the right interpretation of it, I love that there's these, that the themes in some of the new songs, at least, are not entirely disconnected from this. Like, it feels genuine to me that it, like, it feels written by the same person, which I appreciate. Yeah, and it's cool that we get to see that, that, that transformation, too. I guess we should probably mention that we have the word dive here, which, you know, on the album Divers, it seems kind of relevant. And so we had the upward movement in this song where the um, uh, there's the question of how long did you climb that night with the ice in your lungs on the rungs of the light? So we had the upward movement and now we have some downward movement too, some diving. That's a really good point. That was in that list of um, things we need to consider, which I don't have on this document for some reason. Sam, how could you? How dare I? How dare you? Yeah, so we have uh, both up and down movement, which uh, I I don't think I noticed the downward movement before. I did think of this song as going up, but I don't know how much I also saw that it was coming down. Um, 
I think maybe even in the last episode we had said something like this song goes up and like the next song a pin light bend there's diving from the sky um in the form of a flight attendant uh falling from an airplane but we at least have a little bit of diving here the hours are diving I mean I think it's a good question to ask too like where are they diving I don't fucking know man that is a good question to ask I, I don't have an answer for that um Maybe someone does. Maybe someone does. Yeah, let us know if you guys have theories about this. We're just taking stabs in the dark here. Uh, okay. Miss Q and Dive. Each hour I ever loved. I also, I just the last thing that I have to say about this verse is just that there was... I mean, we've said this kind of already, but like that there is the explicit mentioning of time here in, in the form of each, each hour I ever loved. Um, if we think about Rachel's analysis of the song from Rachel of Blessing All the Birds, where she says that like uh, her interpretation of the song is that there's this erasing of binaries. And so like these, these, <laughs> discrete concepts that we thought were very clear before get questioned and threatened in this song. So like the distinction between life and death, the distinction between man and woman, the distinction between past and present. Um, and so I love the idea that like on that interpretation, each hour that she ever loved must cue and dive must, might also refer to the fact that like the concept of time as we know it is like, being gotten rid of I don't know how do you say yeah. that properly yeah you know what I mean it's like disappearing yeah ceasing to exist yeah exactly and so like hours themselves are things that are called into question the concept of time is something that's being called into question upon someone's death yeah um I think that's for sure happening because we've talked so much about time right through here and I'm sure we've talked about death and time a lot Somewhere too. My brain just doesn't know where. I feel like everywhere and maybe also nowhere. I can't. Remember. I can't remember either. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. So good luck yeah. finding it. <laughs> All right. The next verse. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. I think we'll see. And then she sings. In martial wind. And in clarion rain, we minced into battle, wincing in pain. Not meant for walking, backs bound in twine. Not angel or devil, but level in time. So I have a lot of questions here I'm going to need your help with. <laughs> okay. I like to start with the first sentence because I think it's really sick. Okay. And then we can figure out what the fuck is happening in the rest of it. Because I don't, I don't understand. Okay. Um, okay. So Marshall is like relating to war or like being suited for war or like being a warrior, something to do with war. So we have like warlike wind. What? This One. is where we are. Yeah. Our narrator. Warlike wind. And then we have clarion rain, which many things could be said, said about. So clarion can mean 
it's like in like medieval time paintings it's like that long trumpet with a horn on the end it's just like one long tube with a trumpet on the end um i can play it from wikipedia okay okay let me find Okay, well, you can go listen to it. Oh, here it is. Okay, here it is. <laughs> can you hear that? Yes, I can hear okay. that. Yeah. So that's the high one. There's also a low one. Okay. <laughs> So the first one's described as like a courtly high brass scent and clarion-like, and the second one is described as the braying of a donkey, which I think is hilarious. Oh, man, I could very much see that. So um, it's like that medieval trumpet. It's also, uh, it can also mean loud and clear, brilliantly clear. So I'm going to go with clear as probably yeah. our word. I... um. The first, when I looked up clarion definition, the first thing that came up was a shrill, narrow-tubed war trumpet. So again, we have this like war imagery um, or this this war descriptor at least. And then like you, I found yeah, just like this clear, um, clear call. I also, the other thing that I found that I thought might be worth mentioning was um, that there's this, this like idiom, I guess, clarion call, which refers to um, a request which is strongly desired or urgent. Uh, So the term clarion call can be dated back to the Middle Ages when the word clarion was used to describe a a trumpet call. And the organizers have, sorry, uh, an example is the organizers have put out a clarion call to encourage visitors to attend the brand new event. So like, it's just like this urgent (laughs) request, I guess. Interesting. Okay, so then we have this like urgent, kind of like demanding rain. Yes. And this warlike wind. So this is where we are. But I so well, I have why? questions about that already. Yeah. Yeah. Go. But also, but like, not even why. So yes, definitely, I have the question why. But like even prior to that, like, how, in what sense is the rain? trumpet like is it the sound that it's making or is it in its urgency like in its call to warness like isn't that a weird way of describing rain it is (laughs) it is so yeah i i'm imagining it's not the sound and that it's more like the what just the abstract war is imminent it's a call to war it's a battle that the rain itself is warlike. Yes. That it's like yes. so intense and so heavy and the wind is a going and it's all happening with such intensity that it can only be compared to war. Yeah, that it's like or at least yes, exactly. That it's like an announcement of the of war or like a, a call to battle or like a something real a intense. Precursor to Yeah. It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's the environment. That's the setting. <sighs> yeah. This is where I get stuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very soon after. <laughs> so the image that I see here. So we have, we minced into battle, wincing in pain. Okay. <laughs> I don't so know. Did you look minced. up minced? 
Yeah. So the first thing that comes to my mind is minced meat. So yes, like yes. little small pieces. But it can also be as a verb to cut or chop, to soften, moderate, or weaken one's, wor- one's words, especially for the sake of decorum or courtesy. Yeah, like we minced words. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I, I also found a definition, walk with short, quick steps in an affectedly dainty manner. Oh. So we minced into battle as in we like scurried into battle. Kind of quietly or carefully? Yeah, maybe. Uh, so the example that it gives for that definition is like we were, there were plenty of secretaries mincing about. So we minced into battle. Yeah, I don't know. Daintily, affectedly, short, quick little steps. Okay, and while you're doing those short little steps, you're also wincing in pain. Yeah, God, horrible. Really cool rhyme. Oh. Mince and wince. Yeah, I love that was my next note. I love the (laughs) rhymes in this verse so much. But (laughs) we minced into battle, wincing in pain. So I don't know why they're mincing. Maybe mincing does refer to like cutting up shit because it's this gruesome imagery maybe it refers to the walking into battle affectedly or like tentatively maybe or like uh ill-equipped for the battle because you're scurrying on in I don't I don't know I don't know and you're already in pain as you said you're already in pain and it's we so there's more than just us we're with someone else we minced into battle wincing in pain who the fuck is the we here? I was thinking maybe it's remember Rachel's theory of that this is that there are different narrators on the song. So her theory was that there was um, body was one narrator on the song, mind or soul was another narrator on yeah. the song, and then there was like the the I think the combined like one all narrator as well. And so I was like, is we just the mind and the body like getting ready for death? Is that the battle or is it somebody else? I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah, me either. Yeah, this is one of those things where like, it's not that I don't know, but I lean like, well, I guess I lean towards Rachel's interpretation. I guess the we for me, I don't know how to make sense of it other than that it's body and mind. Um getting into battle I guess it could be like we everybody who's ever died before I I don't know I don't I don't know I'm also confused as to what exactly the battle is (laughs) me too is it just like this imminent death that you're fighting against is that what we're saying when we're saying you will not take my heart alive like are we fighting against losing the alive I think so I think it's maybe the the process of dying, maybe, and like that's why it's painful. But I, I don't fucking know, man. That doesn't. It's there's no. That doesn't cleanly explain this verse to me. There's, then we get into not meant for walking, backbended twine. Like I don't know what exactly is going on. How did oh. we get here? And I wanted there to be like, maybe there isn't. I just couldn't find it. But like. Bible verse or a yeah. myth or something that played into this this specific imagery really well. Yeah. 
And unfortunately, I didn't find anything. I did do some looking at, uh, let me open up this here. So, like, I looked at, like, because we're coming up to the line, not angel or devil, but level in time. And so I was like, okay, angels are in heaven, devils are in hell. Like, what's kind of in between? Is it purgatory was my first question. No, purgatory seems too fiery um, from what I read. I don't know anything about purgatory. Like, it's just the place where you chill. It's not chill. I guess it's supposed to be a not great time. But it's before you either, before you go up to heaven. Yeah. You have to, like, sit there for a bit. Purgatory is, like, the in-between state after physical death. Um, um, What else does it say about purgatory? A place of cleansing. Hmm. And then I was like, okay, but it also seems very fiery. Yeah. It also seems like it's mostly fire, and I don't think we're getting that imagery here. So I was like, okay, what's another thing? And Google led me to limbo. Oh, okay. So limbo is not the same. Limbo is um, from Latin limbus, the edge or boundary of hell. Um, It's the afterlife of the afterlife condition of those who die in original sin without being assigned to the hell of the damned. So to hell, but that's not what I wanted to talk about. What I wanted to talk about was this part of, um, Dante's divine comedy, which is Inferno. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, yeah. So, so just to be clear, this is because so not angel or devil. So you're like she's saying not heaven or hell, but something else. And this could be the something else. It was like the maybe, maybe. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a theory, and I'm so here for any help with this verse because what? Okay. And to be fair, this is this is a reach. I'm gonna pull my microphone a bit closer. Okay, that's probably better. Um, this is a reach. I. It's it's interesting to learn about, if nothing else. I can't I can't obviously promise that this has anything to do with anything. But um, the first thing I learned is that uh, so the Inferno describes Dante's journey through hell, um, guided by the ancient Roman poet Virgil. In the poem, hell is depicted as nine concentric circles of torment located within the earth. It is the realm of those who have rejected spiritual values by yielding to bestial appetites or violence or by perverting their human intellect to fraud or malice against their fellow men. Um, As an allegory itself, the divine comedy represents the journey of the soul towards God with the inferno describing the recognition and rejection of sin. So like if we are someplace between heaven and hell, I think this made sense to me as like that in between space. We're figuring shit out. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Maybe. Maybe. Not um, angel nor devil. Yeah. Something else. So I liked this because if we are grappling with death and that 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 we are grappling ways heavy on us or if we're like fighting against death that that has some kind of weight that kind of like dooms us to I don't know walk in circles or carry that weight for an extended period of time or just kind of like be with that grappling for a while Mm -hmm. maybe that's a thing I like that 
I definitely like that being burdened, mm. being burdened in a way that like prevents you from maybe like ascending or like climbing or like whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Like level in time. Yeah. Stuck. <sighs> stuck. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Thank you all so much for listening to part three of our discussion on You Will Not Take My Heart Alive. We have one more part coming up for you next week, and then we're moving on to a pin light bent. Uh, we have a Patreon you should check out. It is a hopeless endeavor. Nope, no, no, no. It is patreon.com slash a hopeless endeavor. You can Very find... Close. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you can find early episode releases there, uh, as well as some bonus episodes. I think we're at like 20 four bonus episodes or something like that so check us out there uh the bonus episodes range in tone from like serious interpretations and listener contributions um to some songs that we've already talked about to ridiculous like award shows that we host for yeah, ourselves our yearly janice awards yeah you've caught on you're on board to the janice the janice title oh uh, the janice awards they're anything let the janice let it be noted for the historical record that sam is on board with the janice awards beautiful okay uh what else sam we have an email a hopeless endeavor at gmail.com she's just shaking her head at me <laughs> You can find us on Instagram. It's a hopeless endeavor podcast. We post there every week without fail. Um, Sam but- posts there every week without fail because she's a fucking dynamite. <laughs> but I'm- there's also a link in the bio to all of the other things if that's easier for you. And send us DMs if you want. I'm pretty good at checking them. She's very good at checking them. Sam's on top of her shit, even though she oh, doesn't want to admit that. Boy. She's very good. Um, the opposite is very true, but that's okay. Join us on Facebook if you want. Uh, Jen Newsom. No, a hopeless endeavor at Jen Newsom podcast. My God. Uh, all right. I think that's everything. We will see you next week for the last part of You Will Not Take My Heart Alive. Thank you for being here. We so appreciate you. See you later. Take care, everyone. Bye. Bye.